Thanks for checking out sermons from Pleasant Valley Community Church. We hope these messages encourage, convict, and inspire you to love and follow Jesus more faithfully as we seek to saturate our city with the hope of the gospel. Our online resources are meant to serve you, but they aren't a replacement for the face-to-face relationships that we were built for. So we really hope that if you're in Owensboro, you'll join us in person on a Sunday morning. And if you live elsewhere, you'll find a local church in your community where you can put down roots and find family. For more resources and to give financially to support the missions and ministries of Pleasant Valley, find us on social media or visit our website at www.pleasantvalley.cc. Wow. Can we just say thank you to our worship team for leading us so faithfully tonight? Man. My heart has just been made alive by Jesus. Uh, Man, I'm just, wow. What a joy to see you tonight. Thank you for being here. There's a lot of different churches in Owensboro having candlelight services this weekend. We're honored that you would be with us. Uh, So we made the awful mistake of going to Nashville this week and to Opry Mills Mall. We got in and out in like 12 minutes, Ellie and I, which is probably a record, but it was just absolute chaos in there. Uh, But it reminded me of a story of a man and woman that got married about, been married about 40 years. They both kind of grew up in poverty and just had to really pinch pennies their whole life. But then now they're kind of in their twilight years. So they go Christmas shopping at Opry Mills Mall in Nashville for their kids and grandkids. And again, the mall is just chaotic and crazy. And so... Uh, the mom looks around and realizes her husband of 40 years is missing. And so she gets out her cell phone and she says, Robert Earl, where in the tarnation are you? And uh, he says, honey, I'm so sorry. He said, honey, do you remember 40 years ago when we first got married, that jewelry store in this exact same mall, and we walked into... And, and they didn't have a penny, but there was that amazing diamond necklace that you just absolutely fell in love with. You know, we didn't have the money to buy it. But honey, do you remember how 40 years ago I promised you that one of these days I would save and do whatever I had to do to one day get you that necklace? He said, well, of course, honey. I remember that very well. He said, okay, I'm in the gun shop right next door to that jewelry store. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes the gift that we get is not the one we thought we were going to get. So I turned 40 last year. And you kind of think on your 40th, uh, that your family will do something extra special for you. So I was expecting UK season tickets or Tyler Childers uh, front row concert tickets. No, Annie gets me an ear and nose hair trimmer. Uh, happy 40th birthday, preacher boy. I, I would have been happy with a Cracker Barrel gift card. Uh, but uh, you're going to get a lot of unexpected gifts this year. All right, we all will. Some will like, some we won't. But uh, I don't know, God just kind of put it on my heart tonight um, that I think for many of us in this room, God has a more valuable, amazing, unbelievable gift he wants to give you than any amount of money could ever buy in the world. And it's gonna sound incredibly simple, but it's overwhelmingly powerful if you will receive the gift. And here is the unexpected gift that God wanted me, I think, to tell you he would like to give you tonight. Uh, God just wants somebody in this room tonight to know that he still loves you. Maybe it's been a rough season for your faith. You've doubted him. 
You've struggled in your faith. You've questioned God, maybe. Maybe you've backslidden or you've fallen into some sin and you just don't feel like you're on very good terms with God. And here it is, Christmas, and you find yourself in church. And you just feel like, man, God's probably pretty darn disappointed in me. But if you're in Christ tonight, if you've given your life to Jesus, God, I think, wanted me to tell you that he's not mad at you and that he still loves you. And he doesn't love you because of all the things you do for him. He loves you just because of who you just because of who you are. And you're his child through Jesus. You 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 think he's been mad at you. But he's not. In fact, when he looks at you, he smiles and he still loves you a lot. And tonight he doesn't want you to receive that gift from him. Nothing of that would make God happier than for some of us tonight to just let him love us. But here's why that is an unexpected gift, and here's why that is difficult for many of us, myself included sometimes, to receive that gift. It's because, let's just be honest for a minute, let's not do the whole Christmas service thing where we all pretend like we're perfect, right? Um, you don't have to do that at this church. There is a battle that is raging inside every one of us. All of us have the capacity to be a, a moral monster. All of us have the potential, frankly, to be really bad people and really bad sinners. Every one of us have this tension going on between our flesh and between our spirit. Every one of us have this war inside of us. We know what we're supposed to do for God, and then there's reality and what we actually do and the way we actually live. And the man who wrote most of the New Testament, his name was the Apostle Paul, and he experienced this very same tension inside of him. And I want you to look at that with me just for a few minutes tonight. Romans chapter seven. Look at what this revered man of the Christian faith, he journals his own experience. And it's not all butterflies and birthday cakes. He says, I delight in the law of God in verse 22, in my inner being. In other words, Paul says, I love God on the inside. Like, I love God's word. I, I, I know God's commandments are good. But, verse 23, I see in my members, that just means I see in my own flesh, another law waging war. So the man who wrote most of the Bible says, there's a war going on inside of me. It's not all smooth sailing all the time. There's a war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. But Paul says, he says, man, I got a desire to love God. I have a desire to obey God. But at the same time, I've got this sin still in me. And, and so there's this constant battle going on inside of me. And if you're a Christian tonight, or if you want to be a Christian, the same thing is true for you. There's a war inside every single human soul between the desire to live for God and what feels like the inability to do so well. So go back to verse 15 in the passage. Look at how Paul speaks about it. He says, I do not understand my own actions. Have you ever 
thought that about yourself? Like, man, I'm such an idiot. How do I keep doing the same stupid sins? I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. And then he says in verse 18, he says, I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Paul says, I don't understand me. Like, I don't understand what's going on inside of me. I can't do what I know I should do, and then the things that I keep on doing are the things I know I'm not supposed to do. Can anybody relate tonight? Can we just acknowledge that we've not arrived? Does anyone want to be so boastful and naive as to pretend as though we're not experiencing this war within us? The war between who we know we're supposed to be and who we actually are. You ever feel like, man, no matter how hard I try, I just, I just can't not get angry. Men, do you ever feel this tension? You know, no matter, or, or women, I, no matter how hard I try, I just keep having wondering eyes and lust of the heart. No matter how hard I try, I just can't love that person that I work with. I'm not saying that's true for me. That's not because I love all the people I work with. I'm just saying that might be true for you um, to qualify that. Some of these are my experience. Some of these are not. Uh, you just have to figure out which one you think is which. Uh, no matter how hard I try, you know, I'm just, uh, I, I'm, I'm just always going to be a jealous person. Or no matter how hard I try, uh, I, I, and I know it's wrong, but I, I still struggle with materialism. I just can't stop swiping that credit card, especially at Christmas. And I, I, I know I should, but it's so hard for me to forgive that person that hurt me. I'm trying to forgive. I just can't do it. I know I should read my Bible more. I should be praying more. I should be giving more money to the poor. I, my faith is so weak. And so the Christian life is a continual struggle by definition in which we fall short of who we know we're supposed to be. And, and, and that can really begin to weigh on a soul. If we have a conscience at all, if none of that bothers you, by the way, then, then we should be very afraid. We have no spiritual life. We're, we're not in Christ at all if we're never bothered by our sin, Okay. But, but if you are in Christ, you're, you're going to have this gnawing at your soul when you do wrong. And sometimes you will come to the conclusion Paul came to in verse 24. This is one of the most surprising statements from a man who we revere so highly. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You ever felt like, Paul, man, I'm just a wretch. Like, I don't even know how God could put up with me. Do you ever just feel like you're a really bad Christian? Like you're a spiritual failure? Do you just ever feel like, man, God must be so deeply disappointed in me? If so, then there's really good Christmas news for you tonight. And the amazing news of Christmas and Christianity is the gift of Jesus is not for good people. <laughs> By definition, the gift of Jesus is for bad people. Jesus didn't come for the righteous. He came for sinners. He came for all of us that have fallen short and done wrong. That's incredibly good news because every person in this room is a sinner and a bad one at that. 
if you are a sinner and you just can't measure up and if you keep falling short and if you keep feeling like your life is the biggest spiritual failure, then you are in exactly the right place and you are exactly the kind of person that Jesus would love to give grace and mercy and forgiveness to. Jesus loves sinners. In fact, the people that perturb Jesus the most are the people who don't realize they're sinners. Those people are really good on his nerves because they don't think they need him. They think they're self-righteous. They think they got it all together. But the people are like, man, I just can't get it together. God, have mercy. Jesus is like, oh, I would love to come wrap you up in grace and love and forgiveness. So there's a real sense in which many of us tonight, like Paul can say in verse 24, wretched man or wretched woman that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So there's this conviction from the Holy Spirit and this brokenness in us that we have sinned against God. And again, if you don't feel that conviction and brokenness when you sin, be very afraid. It's, it's a sign there's no spiritual pulse in you. You're spiritually dead. You need to be born again by Jesus. But if you are a Christian and you do have the Holy Spirit, your sin will bother you. You can't sin against God openly and defiantly and, and, and sleep at night with a clean conscience. The Spirit of God will convict you. But... It has to be a temporary brokenness. And then immediately, so you, you, you feel, I'm a sinner. God, man, I jacked up again. You're broken, you're convicted. But then immediately, you've got to preach the gospel to yourself. And then immediately, you take your eyes off yourself and off your sin and failures. You've got to stop looking in the mirror and saying, what an idiot I am. And you've got to look to Jesus. And then in the next verse, look what Paul does, verse 25. He says, thanks be to God, verse 25, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Look at the transition that Paul makes. In verse 24, he says, I'm a wretch, I'm a failure, so he's broken. But then in the very next verse, he says, but I'm not gonna stay there. I'm not gonna stay in despair because thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So how are you able to give thanks to God all while at the same time you have a deep brokenness and conviction of your sin? Very next verse, Romans chapter eight, verse number one. Because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ tonight, if you've repented of your sins and believed in Jesus, God's not angry at you. There's no condemnation for you. There's no judgment for you. There's no wrath. There's no punishment for you. God's not mad at you because when he sees you, he sees the blood and righteousness of Jesus who died for you. So Satan may accuse you. You may accuse yourself, but who cares so long as God does not accuse you because if God is for you, who can really be against you? That news is better than anything you will get under the Christmas tree this year. The good news of Christmas, the uniqueness of Christianity, what separates Christianity from all other world religions. All other world religions say, you must be a good person. You must do this and that. And if you'll be good enough, maybe God will accept you into his heaven. Only Christianity says right out of the gate, nope, nobody's good enough. We all start dead in sin. In Christianity, you don't have to climb the mountain to good deeds to get to God. Our God came down the mountain to us because we could not come to him and he came down the mountain in the person of Jesus. He was born in a manger and he died on a cross because we couldn't save ourselves. 
So the gospel, the Christian message is not primarily about what we do for God. It's about what God has already done for us in and through Jesus. Because when Christ died for our sin, he didn't simply make our salvation possible, contingent and dependent upon how good of a person we end up being. When Christ died on the cross, he said, it is finished. And what he meant was, it is finished. What else are you gonna do to earn your salvation now that Jesus has already done everything? This Christmas, just receive the gift. This is, it's free. It's free. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to earn it. It's a free gift from God to us. God is incredibly wealthy in grace and forgiveness. And he's an unbelievably generous spender. So just let him lavish the wealth of his forgiveness onto your heart this Christmas. He loves you not because of what you do, but because of who you are. And if you're in Christ, you are chosen. You are his adopted child. And as much as you love your family and your kids and your niece and nephew and and friends, he loves you 10 million times more. So just enjoy his grace and just let Jesus love you this Christmas and stop giving God all the reasons he should move on to somebody else. Jesus Christ was fully aware what he was getting himself into when he came to save us. When he died on the cross, he was fully aware of every sin we would commit. And yet he chose to lay his life down anyway because he didn't come for good people. He came for bad people that just couldn't get it together. And that's all of us. Brothers and sisters, can we just all say together in humility, we are weak, we are broken, we are all jacked up, as we say back in Katie's Kentucky. We are all spiritually and emotionally and mentally and psychologically dysfunctional. We are sinful, we are flawed, we are unclean, we are unholy, but in Jesus, we are forgiven. In Jesus, we are righteous. In Jesus, we are cherished. In Jesus, we are perfect in him. Jesus is all that we have, but praise God, he's all that we need. I'll close with this. I've spoken about my Papa Stalin's number of times over the years. He went to heaven in 2005. Um, as a kid, I was scared of Papa. Stalin's, um, I, I remember uh, every time he would come home from work, I'd be staying with grandma on his Ford F-250 from the farm, and I would just be scared when he, when he pulled out. He was a very strict, firm disciplinarian, all right? He had very low tolerance for misbehavior, and apparently I misbehaved a lot because I, I kind of felt like I was always under his wrath. I mean, he was like a good dude, you know? I mean, he loved God, he loved people, but he, like, you didn't cross him, really, kind of situation. And uh, some of y'all had parents and grandparents like that. And I just remember as a kid kind of always feeling like he was angry at me. Well, my papa retired. Uh, he worked sun up, sundown his whole life on the farm and wheeling and dealing. I mean, all he did was work except on Sundays. Uh, and when he retired, he went through this terrible depression. 
He was, he was hospitalized in Nashville for months. His depression almost killed him because all he knew was work. And when he couldn't work, he, he didn't know what to do with himself. So the depression almost killed him, but God healed him of the depression and it totally changed him. And all of a sudden, he was no longer this firm, strict, like tense man. He became this teddy bear. I mean, he laughed, he sang, he cried, he played practical joke. He was like 87. He would come home from work and like ring the doorbell, and like go hide around the bushes and jump out and scare my grandma. I'm like, you probably shouldn't do that once somebody passes 80, but like, no offense, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just probably not the smartest thing to do. But he, and he had this new thing, because he, he ended up working at a car dealership just to keep him busy, like all the way almost to the day he died. And so he would drive home from Hopkinsville and he got in this habit. He would bring my grandma roses like every day. But the catch was he would steal them out of other people's gardens. <laughs> like he does, he was just so like, he did, I was like, Papa, you, you can't, I was trespassing. So like there were cops involved in things, but it worked out great in the end. Cause like once people got to know him, like he wasn't a threat. He was just trying to bless his woman, you know, and he did that. But he just became the most soft, gentle man. The hand that used to spank me with that leather belt now hugged me and gave me hundred dollar bills. He only carried cash, big wad. Of, looked like a drug dealer, like always just walking around with a big wad of cash. But um, more than anything now, when my Papa Stalins looked at me, that once stern, harsh face turned into nothing but smiles. Whereas I used to be afraid to go to his house. Now I couldn't wait to go to his house. And until the day that he died, his home and his presence felt like the safest place in the world for me because I knew how much he loved me, even though I could be a pretty bad kid. If your hope is in Jesus tonight, if you've trusted in Jesus to forgive you of your sins, receive this unexpected gift. Your heavenly father is not taking off the belt just longing to wear out your little fanny. He's not scowling at you. He's not shaking his head in disgust at what a disappointment you are. He loves you. He's a really, really good father and he is crazy in love with his kids. And he's smiling at you. And nothing can make for a merrier Christmas than that. And I hope you'll just receive that tonight. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you for your amazing, amazing love. Father, that is unworthy as we are. Lord, I, I know I can speak for myself. As unworthy as I am. God, as sinful as I am that you chose not to leave us in our sin, but you, you chose to come and to love us and to give your son, Jesus, who was born in a manger and who lived a perfectly righteous life and then who died as our substitute on a cross and who took the punishment that we deserve from you, Father. And now if we'll believe in Jesus, we receive forgiveness and we're made righteous Father, thank you for this good news.
that we don't have to keep trying so hard to earn your forgiveness. You've given us the free gift of Jesus. It costs Jesus everything, but it's free to us. Father, I pray that every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room would receive that gift tonight. Lord, if there's anyone here who's not opened up the gift of Jesus and said, I believe, I want this Christ, I want this Savior, I want this Son of God who loves the worst sinners, I want him, I need him. Father, anyone whose heart right now is feeling that, you're, you're calling them. You're speaking to them. You're tapping them on the shoulder. Oh, God, help them just to open up their heart and say, yes, I'm a sinner, but I receive Christ. And may they receive the gift and cherish it the rest of their life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Thanks for checking out sermons from Pleasant Valley Community Church. For more resources and to give financially to support the missions and ministries of Pleasant Valley, find us on social media or visit our website at www.pleasantvalley.cc.